This is The Jerry Callahan Show. I just got, uh, we just got the most brutal news, the cruelest news you could imagine. We're, uh, we're going to get to the uh, Republican debate. It was wild, and I'm okay with that. I'm not one of those people who says, oh, it's just a train wreck. I had to turn it off. No, you didn't. People didn't turn it off. When people start yelling at each other, that's, uh, that's good TV, and I was okay with it. I got my breakdown, my winners and losers. I'm going to get to uh, Meatball, the... Uh, the architect of the riot, the looting in uh, Philadelphia, she's actually facing real consequences. We're going to have our NFL picks. The Senate did something unanimously. They agreed on something. Every single senator agreed. John Fetterman is a slob. Uh, we'll get to all that, and we'll, uh, we'll make fun of some people. We'll have some laughs, hopefully. But I'm sitting here this morning getting ready to do the show. As usual, I got the TV on. I'm reading everything, and... Uh, I just listened to the most just brutal news I could imagine. Uh, Kurt Schilling on his podcast uh, revealed that his former teammate and Red Sox legend, Tim Wakefield, has brain cancer. Not only that, his wife, Stacy, has pancreatic cancer. And uh, you'll have to excuse me if I sound a little rattled because this is just... This is just so brutal. He, um, uh, I knew Tim Wakefield a little bit. He is a terrific guy. He's one of the good ones. I didn't know his wife, but I can't imagine anything worse for any couple anywhere. It just sounds awful. But I just want to point out that Tim Wakefield did more in my years around the Jimmy Fund Clinic, which is part of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute that takes care of kids, sick kids, kids who are going through hell, Kids who are just living a nightmare and they get celebrities and athletes and people to show up and visit the kids and try to cheer them up. And usually there's the, the Red Sox are very connected to the Jimmy Fund Clinic. There's a Red Sox, there's a Jimmy Fund Clinic ambassador every year from the Red Sox. And I'm, I think Wakefield was one for years. And some some are more devoted than others. Some do more for the kids than others. I mean, I give every every player, every celebrity who shows up there and gets down on the floor and plays with the kids and, and visits them and signs autographs for them. I give them all credit. Roger Clemens was one of the best. He would show up in full uniform and bring baseballs and hats to the kids. Uh, He's, he's, you know, got a lot of critics out there, including me for many reasons, but uh, Clemens was great with the kids. Nobody, nobody was better than Tim Wakefield. Uh, for years, he'd show up there and sometimes there'd be cameras and sometimes there'd be press releases and sometimes there wouldn't. Sometimes he would just show up because he had a connection with those kids because he knew how much it meant. He would occasionally wear his shirt too, his Red Sox jersey, number 49. He'd sign autographs. And I went over there for years uh, at the radio station I was at. We had a connection there too. And we'd go over and we'd visit, and we'd hang out. And it was something else. It was just, I mean, it just left an impression on you like, like nothing else. I made lots of friends over there. Some of them are still around. Some aren't. Um, but Wakefield one time went over to the clinic and he was visiting the kids. And this is when they were in separate rooms. Now it's a big open area. <clears throat> and there was one kid. I forget his name. Shame on me. But he really wanted to meet Tim Wakefield, a huge Red Sox fan. He was probably... I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old, 
But when Wakefield got there, this kid was in the infusion room. He was getting chemo and he was uh, not available. Wakefield visited all the other kids and uh, he heard about this child and uh, he decided to stay. He sat in the kid's room by, from what I was told, for three hours, just sat in the room waiting. Nobody knew he was, he was doing this. No, the kid didn't know. The kid's parents didn't know. They were in the infusion room for hours. When the kid returned to his room after getting chemo, walks in his room, there is Tim Wakefield sitting in a chair. Just Tim Wakefield sitting in a chair. I forget if he had a hat or a glove or a ball for the kid, but he had his Red Sox jersey on and just changed that kid's life for a day or for a week, a month. I don't know, but he just made that kid's day. And I'll never forget that. I wasn't there in the room. I just heard the story from our friend uh, Lisa, the director of the Jimmy Fund Clinic. She meets lots of players. She meets lots of celebrities who come by and visit. She meets lots of media people who come by and visit. Again, some of them do it because there's a camera there and they can tell people and they can put out a press release. And some do it just because it's the right thing to do. And that was Tim Wakefield. And and he he made that kid's day. He made lots of kids' days. He was there all the time for years. And now apparently Tim Wakefield uh, is going through it. There is no... <sighs> There's just no justice in the world. I can think of so many people that uh, that I'd put ahead of him on that line. We're going to get uh, who are going through this. This just this nightmare for him and his wife. He's uh, 57 years old. He, people don't even know around the country. Don't know what a legend he was in Boston, a knuckleballer, just a terrific guy, just an overachiever. Um, he, he was, he was something else. He is something else. We wish him the best. This is uh, Kurt Schilling this morning. And uh, Schilling admits that he's not sure if he's supposed to say this, but he did. He's offering prayers. He's offering support. And he's telling everybody what Tim's going through. And now Tim is trending. And lots of people are sending their wishes and, and saying their prayers. And I guess, um, I guess that's a good thing. I'm not sure uh, exactly what stage he's in right now, what phase he's in, what kind of treatment he's going through, but we wish him the best. Let's listen to what Chilling had to say on his podcast this morning. A teammate of mine uh, who is uh, in a situation, and um, Tim Wakefield, uh, you know, you remember Tim Wakefield, the uh, the knuckleballer, um, is uh, sick. And uh, I talked with Doug Mirabelli yesterday, and this is not a message that Tim has asked anyone to share, and I don't even know if he wants it shared. But uh, as a Christian and as a man of faith, I've seen prayer work, and so I'm going to talk about it. Um, way too often in life, we, we bucket list things, uh, and we put things on our lists. I'm going to do, I can't wait to do, I've got to do, uh, with the hubris of thinking, well, hell, we'll be around, we'll figure it out. Uh, tomorrow is never, ever a given. Um, Tim's wife, Stacy, who's one of the sweetest women you'll ever meet, is uh, uh, very sick with pancreatic cancer. Um, and my wife has talked with her and they're communicating and, and they're going through an incredibly difficult time with Stacy. Um, and I wanted them to know that we're obviously all thinking about them and praying for her. But recently, Tim was diagnosed with a very serious, very aggressive form of brain cancer. And, uh, 
I was talking with Doug Mirabelli, uh, and I've talked with him quite a bit. And it's impossible when you think about uh, our lives, and I'm sure this is pertains to everybody, but I can only put it in the context of our life. I played with thousands of people. Um, I'm not friends with all my former teammates because there's only 24 hours in a day. And who you end up talking with and 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 continuing friendships on with tends to be more a byproduct of your life choices after baseball. Uh, um, you know, I've I've talked to Tim on and off for 20 years. Not, you know, certainly not weekly, but I've talked them enough to stay in touch. And like everything else, you know, when we get in the room, where it's like we never left. Um, but uh, the situation in, in Tim's case is incredibly serious. Uh, brutal. Uh, that is brutal. And, uh, I guess, uh, everybody knows now and everybody's praying for the guy. I never heard a bad word about Tim Wakefield from teammate, from the media, from anybody. He's just one of the good ones. Humble, not, I think he appreciated every day he spent in the big leagues. He appreciated every time we get to start opening day at Fenway park, uh, just a, just a really decent guy from what I know and from what I hear. And, uh, we wish him the best and his wife, Stacy, the best God, that sounds awful. And now, um, not sure how I transition from that to all the news of the day. We got the debate last night was, was wild, but you no, know, I'm okay with that. Um, I said, going in, the one thing I want from the moderators is to let them fight. And they did for the most part. Uh, there was lots of uh, people talking over each other and yelling at each other. But I would ask you, if you're watching that, do you want to hear Mike Pence or Nikki Haley or Tim Scott go on some pre-planned memorized one and a half minute uh, policy speech? Or do you want to hear them interrupt each other and mix it up? I mean, I guess you want a good mix of the two. You want to hear from the candidates. They don't usually say anything new and original, but I like when they go at each other. I like when they have to defend their case and take a few cheap shots here and there. I think Nikki Haley got carried away with that. Just started yelling at everybody and uh, insulting everybody. She said, listening to Vivek, Vivek makes her dumber. I'm not sure how that works. Vivek is a brilliant guy and uh, he's a really good debater. I will give you my winners and losers. My winner is Ron DeSantis in a rout. I think he had a very good night. I don't think he got involved in too many of the uh, little snide back and forth. I think he had his chance to state his case. I think he called out Donald Trump for not being there, which is what he should do. He pointed out that he gets to serve two terms. Trump only gets to serve one. And what DeSantis does beautifully every time he deals with an issue is say, we did it in Florida. Here's what we did. He goes through his accomplishments and he points out that uh, he did what he did in Florida. He can do for the country. It's a good tactic. I don't think anybody is going to gain enough ground to make it even competitive. I think uh, Trump is on his way to the nomination, but let's be honest. These people are auditioning for 2028. They're auditioning for cabinet positions or even vice president. The only guy on the stage, I think who is a real VP candidate is Vivek who makes it, a point to never really tear down Donald Trump. He knows that he's on that short list. Um, I'm changing my list, by the way. I'm, I, I update my VP candidate list weekly or so. I still have Byron Donald at number one. I have J.D. Vance at number two. I have Vivek at number three. And I'm bumping Kerry Lake back to number four. And, of course, Tucker Carlson's number five. That's my list of potential. Oh, Kim Reynolds. I'll put Kim Reynolds at number five, the uh, governor of Iowa, who is uh, very popular and uh, 
had some issues with Trump, but she would be a good choice. And Tucker's really not going to be uh, on the you know, short list anyway. So I would call Ron DeSantis the winner, runner up. I choose uh, Krispy Kreme, Christy Kreme, uh, Chris Christie. He had a lot of moments. He took a lot of shots at Trump. That's why he's there. But uh, he had a lot of airtime and uh, he had a good night. Vivek had a good night. They were all attacking him, which is a good sign. If you're a candidate, you're in the middle of the, the, the panel and they're coming at you. Losers, Nikki Haley. She had a good first debate. She had a terrible second debate. She sounded shrill. I know that sounds sexist. Biggest loser would be the Univision lady who just, I don't know, she thought she was at a Democrat debate talking about, you know, DACA and dreamers and, and, and challenging people who want to close the border because she's obviously for open borders. And she did that. She actually asked about that friggin' hoax in Florida about, about how they teach the kids that slavery was a good thing. She asked that question of DeSantis, we can get to it. And DeSantis shot her down perfectly, just said that's a hoax. And uh, he had a good answer to that. And he had the best answer of all when uh, um, Dana Perino, who had a good night, she was the best moderator. They should just left, left she, she should have been the only moderator. But she tried this little stunt at the end. She wanted everybody to take their pen and paper and write down one other candidate that they would like to vote off the island. And three of the candidates started writing names. And DeSantis just stood up and said, hey, we're not doing that. You know, we're adults here. We're debating as silly and just shot it down as well. He should. He did the same thing in the last debate when they want to do something with raise your hand. He said, we're not doing that. You know, we're adults. And it was a good, good response. They never did it. It was a dumb idea by Dana Perino who had a good night, but uh, um, all in all, the, the people who are complaining that there was too much yelling and screaming and talking over each other, they either are Trump supporters, and I understand they, they don't want any of these people to uh, gain any ground, or they're Democrats, they're Biden supporters, Gavin Newsom supporters. By the way, Gavin Newsom had a great night. He was there representing the Biden campaign, which is not true. He's representing himself. He had a debate for six minutes with Sean Hannity after the live debate, and he was going back and forth with um Hannity, and he showed the contrast between him and Biden and Harris. They aren't capable of doing that. Joe Biden couldn't debate Sean Hannity for 30 seconds. He went at Hannity with no notes, no handlers, no teleprompters for six minutes. I'm sure he was lying, but he was talking about how great things are in California. And they were buttonheads. If there were ever a debate, say, uh, um, Newsom against anybody, Newsom against Harris, say he challenges her, he will eat her alive. I mean, she couldn't compete with him. And of course, Joe Biden can't compete with anybody. We'll get to Biden yesterday, just embarrassing himself again. But let's get to some of the highlights. I did love the fact, I have to say, I love the fact that there were no questions about climate change. That's all I asked. I said, two, I had two requests. Let them fight when they fight. And don't ask about climate change. Of course, they asked, you know, too many questions about whatever, farming and education. I wanted the border to be the whole, you know, an hour, hour and a half on the border. That's what they should focus on. They did it for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. They all had, you know, they're all in agreement on the border, in agreement on most issues. They, They bring up Ukraine though, and they start fighting. They totally disagree. You have these war hawks like Pence and Tim Scott. Tim Scott, who actually said, the money we're sending to Ukraine, it's just a loan. They're going to pay it back. 
That could have been the most preposterous statement of the night. Oh, sure they are, Tim. They're all going to pay back the hundred billion. Oh, with interest. I mean, it's so absurd. They're not paying anything back. They're busy buying villas in south of France. They're not paying us back. What a joke that was. And then, and then Pence saying the best thing we can do is send them money so they can, if we don't, the Russians will be in Poland before you know it. I'm sick of that canard too. Uh, they should have done more on that because there's such stark contrast. The problem with debates, hell, Democrat debates, they agree on everything, everything. There's no disagreement, at least with Republicans. There's some areas where they disagree, and Ukraine is a really important one. They should have focused on that more and said, do you really, Tim Scott, do you really think they're going to pay back the money we're sending them? It's just so silly. Uh, the dumbest line of the night was uh, Chris Christie calling Donald Trump Donald Duck. Did you really think that was going to get a laugh? Chris, <laughs> Krispy Kreme, that was really silly. Uh, or I'd say the low light was when the moderator, the Univision lady, started talking in Spanish. Um, sorry, you want to have a little Spanish thing, the, the little button you push and get the uh, Spanish version. Go ahead. We don't need uh, a two. We don't need two language two languages in this debate. We're good with English, hun. Good with English, but uh, they never asked uh, about the January sixth political prisoners in in Washington. They never asked about the security state, the out of control DOJ, the corrupt IRS, the corrupt FBI. That was too bad. But for the most part, I can't complain because they did not talk about climate change or UFOs or other any other silly, stupid, irrelevant topic. They stuck to the important topics. But uh, let's get to this. This is, what's her name, Calderon, Univision lady who was just, just didn't fit. I, I swear to God, she's... She was a plant or something. She didn't belong here. She was a Democrat. She was a liberal. She wanted all these guys. She, she thought she was at a Democrat debate. She really did. And she brings up this absolute lie that they're teaching in Florida. It's something made up by the Democrats in the media that they're teaching kids in Florida that slavery had its benefits. You know, they got to learn how to, you know, whatever, uh, be a blacksmith. They get to learn how to farm. Because they were slavers, slaves, and when slavery ended, they were all set. They had a career. It's just not true. It's a, it's a curriculum written by black scholars who pointed out uh, that you uh, that they did indeed learn trades, learn things as slaves that benefited them when slavery ended. Just an obvious fact. Um, but she, you know, Kamala Harris flipped it, used it. So did Tim Scott used it against, um, uh, uh, against Santos, but DeSantis, I thought handled it well. Let's watch. Slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. You have said slaves develop skills in spite of slavery, not because of it, but many are still hurt for the sentence of slaves. This is personal. What is your message to them? So first of all, that's a hoax that was perpetrated by Kamala Harris. Uh, we are not going to be doing that. Second of all, that was written by descendants of slaves. These are great black history scholars, so we need to stop playing these games. Here's the deal. Our country's education system is in decline because it's focused on indoctrination, denying parents' rights. Florida represents the revival of American education. We're ranked number one in the nation in education by U.S. News and World Report. My wife and I, we have a six, five, and three-year-old. 
This is personal to us. We didn't just talk about universal school choice. We enacted universal school choice. We didn't just talk about parents' bill of rights. We enacted the parents' bill of rights. We eliminated critical race theory, and we now have American civics and the Constitution in our schools in a really big way, just like President Reagan asked for in his farewell address back in 1989. Florida is showing how it's done. We're standing with parents, and our kids are benefiting. That's a good answer. He had a lot of those. I love when he goes back to his success in Florida. Uh, that's something uh, I know the North Carolina guy, Burgum, kept talking about North, oh, the great things in North, Car- uh, North Carolina, North Dakota. Florida is a different deal. You know, that's a big state, a bigger state, a more diverse state. Uh, and he's been a great governor. I'm sure Burgum's done a fine job in North Dakota, but that's North Dakota. It's time for that guy to leave the stage. He had a good night. He had some good answers but he's not a, a, a legitimate candidate. And it's time for Mike Pence to give it up. Why does Pence want to be up there? It's just uncomfortable. The debate was two hours long. I swear to God, half of it with these dramatic pauses from Mike Pence. Every time he'd answer, he'd pause and look around and he, he'd, he'd make jokes that were just, that just fell flat. Why does he put himself through this? I don't understand. It's time. The next debate's early November, five weeks away. I think get rid of Burgum, get rid of Pence, uh, get rid of uh, uh, Christie at some point's got to give it up. He's just there to attack Trump, which it can be entertaining. I'm not saying he's not an entertaining guy, but he's not a legitimate candidate. This is, there's too many guys. I know seven it's down from last time. I, I'd like to see it down to five or four or three or two. And then DeSantis will debate um, the uh, debate. Gavin Newsom at the end of November on Hannity's show. That'll be pretty wild. That'll be a big deal. Trump will be, live tweeting or live truthing that one uh, as uh, the sanctimonious um, kind of emerges as the only legitimate candidate other than Donald J. Trump. One other cut I wanted to get to because it was a great answer on the part of Vivek. Vivek is asked about transgender. They got asked the transgender issue. Now this is a real issue and it's a real dividing line. Democrats believe in all of them, Biden, Harris, Newsom, all of them. Every Democrat at every level believes in the drugging and the castrating of children, confused children. It's madness. I think 20, 30, 50 years from now, we're going to look back at this era in America and say, what did we do to kids? And at that point, there's going to be a lot of kids suing the doctors who did this to them. There already are some. In fact, Vivek mentions Chloe Cole, a prominent detransitioner, a really uh, a, a woman with a really powerful story. And he just flat out says what everybody thinks, but not too many people have the guts to say because they know it drives the media and the Democrats nuts. But let's listen to Vivek. Vivek asked about uh, trans- transitioning children. Go ahead. I have to be very clear about this. Transgenderism, especially in kids, is a mental health disorder. We have to acknowledge the truth of that for what it is. I met two young women early in this campaign. on parental rights in school. Parents have the right to know. And you know what the hypocrisy of this is? Even New Hampshire failed to actually get past a piece of legislation here. The very people who say that this increases the risk of suicide are also the ones saying that parents don't have the right to know about that increased risk of suicide. And I'm sorry, it is not 
compassionate to affirm a kid's confusion. That is not compassion, that is cruelty. I met two young women, Chloe and Katie, early in this campaign, who are in their 20s, now regret getting double mastectomies and a hysterectomy. One of them will never have children. And the fact that we allowed that to happen in this country is barbaric. So I will ban genital mutilation or chemical castration under the age of 18. Let him answer, Dana. Jesus, that is a great answer. You know how great it is? The New York Times fact-checked it in real times. It said, false. It's not a mental disorder. Everybody knows it's true. Everybody knows the truth. And I, I give Vivek credit for saying it. He's the only one who got to answer that and, and, and make that case. And they fact-check him and say, no, that's, that's false. Kids, kids who get double mastectomies when they're 13 years old, that's wonderful. That's just gender-affirming care. This is a winning issue, much like the border. It's something the Republicans should hammer away at because no sane, decent person thinks you should be giving confused 13-year-old girls double mastectomies or castrating confused young boys. It's madness, and it must stop. Great answer. From Vivek. I think the uh, the biggest loser of last night, though, had to be his hairstylist. I don't that's know why. True, that's true. This, the hair was distracting. What ah. was the deal with the hair? Did he wear a hat all day or something? It was a weird look. He needed a haircut or whatever. He needed some gel. I don't know. He He's going for the uh, the Danny Zuko look, and it just doesn't fit him. <laughs> it, was, it was almost, uh, yeah, it was, it was distracting looking at that hair. But uh, he's good. I have that one other cut I sent you from Cernovich that... Uh, Here's if you missed the debate, here's how much of it went, because uh, I think both South Carolina, South Carolinians, uh, Nikki Haley and Tim Scott decided that they were going to go at Vivek on this night. And they did. And they jumped on. He just started talking and they start yelling. I mean, again, I don't mind it. I like a little chaos. But this is why people were so turned off, allegedly. This is why they said it was unwatchable. This is a brief clip of. Uh, uh, a little bit of the, uh, the the craziness that went on in the middle of the debate. Go ahead. But you know what I did that was different than every other company? We got the hell out of there. And when I started my yeah, next right company, you ran Strive, right when no, years ago, where's, 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 right when I started my next company, Strive, to compete against BlackRock, excuse me, no, no. to compete against BlackRock, I made a commitment that we would never do business in China. And I will say something. Yes. I think you have more than time to explain your point. Well, if I, I was interrupted by a lot of people here, and I want to be respectful because I believe yeah. these you were respectful people, last debate. but I do not yeah. believe in these. We're sitting here in the Reagan Library. Yes, I wish you would not. In honor of Ronald Reagan's library, if I may, well, from one, Tim, from one admirer of Ronald Reagan to another, from one admirer of Reagan to another, we cannot do deals with this. Four years ago, this is productive. I want to hear about. Let's have a policy debate. What's going on? Let us have a policy debate. Policy debate, and the right answer is we need to declare independence from China, and I will see that through. Vice President Pence. Oh, she was terrible. Uh, that, there was a lot of that. They decided they were going to go after Vivek because he won the first debate. Uh, and they did more. They went after him more than they went after DeSantis. But uh, it was a good night for uh, Vivek. But uh, DeSantis was the clear winner. I'm pretty sure polls or vote, you know, uh, after the uh, debate, there's lots of those Twitter polls of who won. Lots of people say Trump won because, you know, nobody stood out. But I think DeSantis presented himself as a pretty good alternative. I, I know I've said that many times, but he's a good candidate. Whether it's now 2024 or 2028, I think he'll be a good president. And Vivek is never going away. He's going to be around for the next 40 years. 
whether it's VP or running for something or in the cabinet or on TV, uh, you're never going to get rid of it. Got to lose, got to lose the hair though. He has to have yeah, that. Gotta, to go. Well, I think he's probably already, already made an appointment for a trim because, uh, Something was going on with the hair. All right, we got to move. I got a lot to get to before we make our NFL picks with our uh, resident degenerate, Mike Montante. Some good games this week. I went over this last night. I'm looking forward to this. Good, interesting games. We're going to get to um, Meatball. We told you about Meatball yesterday. She's the uh, the uh, influence, the Instagram influencer who instigated. That's what she calls. She's not an influencer. She's the instigator who who kind of uh, instigated the riot, the looting in Philadelphia. And you're not going to believe this, but there's actually going to be consequences. And I want to play that. We have to play this. Ayanna Presley with Jake Tapper. Somebody sent a memo to Jake and said, you got to start you know, doing a little journalism one of these days. And boy, does he keep pushing her on the border. She is insane. I've said that before. She is my congresswoman to my everlasting shame. It's embarrassing every time she appears in TV, but she just lying her ass off and Jake wouldn't let her get away with it. We'll get to that. Lots more, but first. Excuse me. Today's show is sponsored by Nutrisense. You hear that? That was the sound of the Nutrisense biosensor. It's a small device that you put on the back of your arm that then provides real-time feedback on how your body responds to the foods that you're eating, your exercise, stress, even your sleep. With Nutrisense, you just take a photo of your meal, adjust for portion size, and Nutrisense does the rest. Nutrisense helps you track your data, see your glucose trends, and understand your macronutrient breakdown for each meal. You also get an overall glucose score for each meal based on your body's response. You'll be matched with a board-certified nutritionist who will review your data and answer all your questions. Plus, they can help you with a personalized nutrition plan so that you can achieve your goals. You should try Nutrisense today. It will open your eyes in profound ways to how your food, exercise, and lifestyle choices are affecting you. What's more, it empowers you with a real-time feedback loop showing the consequences of your food and lifestyle choices. You can get all that today. NutriSense has a special offer for our listeners. Visit NutriSense.com slash Callahan and use code word Callahan to start decoding your body's messages and pave the way for a healthier life. Be sure to tell them you learned about NutriSense on the Callahan Show. That's NutriSense.com slash Callahan to save $30 off your first month, plus get a month of board-certified nutritionist support. All right, Meatball, we told you about yesterday. She's a, uh, they call her an uh, Instagram influencer. Um, and uh, we played the live stream from the riot yesterday. If you don't remember, see if you can find one of those. She's screaming, everybody's got to eat. You know, they got to eat, which is why they looted Lululemon and uh, Foot Locker and the Apple store, because they want to eat. And she just had a blast. She went from one store to the next and thought it was great and said, free iPhones for everybody. Well, when we we did the show yesterday, there were rumors that she was one of the uh, people who got busted there. By the way, they arrested 52 people, most of them adults, by the way. Yesterday, they kept saying, oh, a bunch of kids, a bunch of youth, youths, juveniles. No, it was mostly adults, and they busted at least 52 of them, which I find amazing. I don't remember a riot like this, a looting like this, where the cops actually, you know, enforced the law. Credit to the Philadelphia cops, man. They went right in there and got off their bikes and out of their cars and did their job. Anyway, let's get back to Meatball. 
Uh, this is from the New York Post. The Philadelphia social media influencer arrested while she live streamed Tuesday night's looting fought back tears as she was charged with six felonies. Wow. I don't remember the last time a looter has been charged with anything. Uh, Dajia Blackwell, better known as Meatball, shared her firsthand views of the chaos in which looters targeted several businesses, including Apple, Foot Locker, Lululemon. In the videos, Blackwell can be heard laughing and cheering uh, on the looters as she stood by and watched the chaos unfold. Uh, at one point during her stream, Blackwell turned to face her camera and challenged the cops to arrest her. Yeah, we played that one yesterday. There's a, there's a bunch of uh, just incriminating videos where she yells, free iPhones, free iPhones. And she, yesterday, you saw the video where she's got a big smile and she's having a blast. Is this it? No, this is just the other one when the guys are stealing all the phones and she's screaming, free iPhones. All right, let's, let's listen to just to uh, refresh your memory. Let's listen to what uh, she did during the riot. When she was doing this and she turned the camera on herself, she had a big smile. She just had a blast. And well, she has 650,000 followers. She's been reposted by uh, Cardi B. Uh, well, I'm sure she's going to gain some followers, but she's going to lose some, uh, lose some money and maybe some, uh, some of her freedom because she's facing six felonies, eight separate charges, including looting, um, burglary, criminal trespassing, conspiracy, criminal mischief, riot with the intent to commit a felony, and criminal use of a communications facility. I didn't even know they had these charges. I didn't even know that was a crime. After years of watching rioting, looting, anytime you know the cops shoot anybody, justifiably or not, we see these riots, this looting. I don't remember anybody getting charged with this many uh, felonies. She actually had to post bail. I I don't think there was such a thing as bail anymore in these blue cities. Well, there is. Uh, Meatball had to post $25,000, according to court documents. That is amazing. This, uh, they're they're still rounding people up because there's so much evidence. Uh, It says 52 people had arrested in the past two days. The, the police and the mayor uh, speaking out and said they're going <laughs> to put these people away. God bless them. I, I don't remember last time we had a riot looting kids, you know, just kids out of control, blowing off steam. And actually, they had to actually face charges. And there's the mugshot of, of Meatball is priceless. She got tears streaming down both her cheeks and she looks scared to death. Maybe this is what has to happen. Said it yesterday. The reason we see these people out of control, not even shy about it on camera is because there are never real consequences. Well, maybe the worm is turning. Maybe the meatball is turning and we will actually see law enforcement do their jobs. All right, let's get to, I know, (laughs) let's get to uh, uh, John Fetterman. We've uh, been talking about this big lug, seems like every day for months. Well, John Fetterman did something no one has ever has been able to do in recent memory. He brought the Senate together. John Fetterman um, 
as we know, has been wearing a hoodie and gym shorts on the Senate floor. He is a slob. He's being treated like a, like a child, like some special needs kid that they had to, that, that didn't have to follow the dress code because you know, that the shirt just bothered him, the dress shirt or the pants. He couldn't do it. He need. Uh, so they let him Chuck Schumer changed the rules to allow this slob to go on the Senate floor in a hoodie. He actually was the presiding Senator a couple of days ago, sitting there in a hoodie and gym shorts. Well, they took a vote because everybody was outraged at this and it passed unanimously. Um, the bill, the resolution was sponsored by Mitt Romney and Joe Manchin and it passed unanimously. It's called the, uh, it was <laughs> called the Fetterman rule. Now the Fetterman rule, everybody has to dress appropriately in the Senate. So this spoiled child, this little trust fund brat, 53 or 54 year old oaf has to now put on a shirt and tie to go to work. Can you don't do it to earn his 200,000 a year? He's going to actually have to wear a shirt and tie and pants, long pants. I didn't, I never understood this from the beginning. Doesn't he just want to kind of keep his head down and do his job? Does he really want to draw more attention to himself? I mean, he is a, (laughs) an embarrassment in every level. He can't speak. He can't think he can't talk. He, uh, unfortunately he's been through a stroke. He, he's just doesn't belong in the Senate. He can't fulfill the duties of a Senator. And yet he wanted to draw attention to himself just so he could be a little more comfortable. Well, just don't, you know what? He could have worn a dress shirt and like really casual, comfortable pants probably could have worn, you know, comfortable shoes and just kept his head down and done his job. Instead, he wanted to draw attention to himself, and he did, and it pissed off the other senators, and now he actually has to dress like an adult. Poor guy. All right, we got to move. I know I have to get to the uh, get to our NFL picks. I want to give plenty of time to Montante. Um, let's get to Ayanna Presley, my crazy congresswoman. Um, I, I, she doesn't do anything without completely embarrassing the uh, her constituents. The people of Boston should be embarrassed every time this woman appears on TV, opens her mouth. Everything she talks about, everything is racist. Race, all that matters to her is race. Because it is, Jerry. It is. That's all. Nothing matters more than race. Race, that's all. And, of course, abortion. White people? She's, she's, she's very much into um, uh, uh, you know, canceling student debt, as if there is such a thing. She's very much, and her, her constituents are dead. Many of them are deadbeats with graduate degrees. She wants working class people to pick up the tab for these losers who got graduate degrees and gender studies. That's a big issue to her too. But mostly it's all about race, racial justice, you know, racial this, racial that. Well, she obviously is supporting an open border. She doesn't mind millions of people coming across our, our open Southern border because they're people of color. If they were white, she would say, close the border, but they're not. So she wants an open border. She doesn't care if they're, they're here to work. She doesn't care if they're gang members or drug dealers. If they're people of color, she's on their side. That's it. That's the only calculation the woman ever makes. She goes on with Jake Tapper yesterday and Jake's on her side. Obviously Jake's a big lib, big, he's a Democrat operative with the press pass. And, uh, but he doesn't let her get away with lying about the border. What the Biden administration has done is made a uh, conscious decision to just lie, to gaslight the country and say the border is closed. 
Everybody knows the border isn't closed. Everybody's seen the video. Everybody's seen the number. Hell, everywhere, every blue state, New York, Chicago, they, we've seen the bus loads, the plane loads of illegal aliens. And uh, we know the plan. Just just open the border, let them in, and hopefully they will vote Democrat. That They have no problem just overwhelming the system, the schools, the hospitals, the emergency rooms, no problem. They want to change the demographic. They want more Democrats, period. It's obvious. We all know that. That goes without saying. Even Jake knows that. But Jake knows the border is open. Jake knows the border is not closed. Jake knows that's a lie, and he doesn't let her get away with it. And it goes on forever. We'll play you a minute or so, but she just keeps saying to her, I I agree with everything you say. You're wonderful, Ayanna. You're the best. But did you just say the border is closed? He just doesn't give it up. And she doesn't give it up. She doesn't care. She knows the border's open. She just lies. That's what she does. That's what you have to do. You can't admit the border's wide open. I mean, that's impeachable. That's criminal. You can't admit it. You have to lie. And that's what she does. Let's watch. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, our, our border is secure. And we're in the midst of a humanitarian crisis, and we have to fix a broken system. Wait, and we also sec- you think it is secure? You think the border is secure, or it is not secure? I believe that we are in the midst of a humanitarian crisis, and there needs to be federal investment to support those migrant families. And I work with a number of those community-based organizations on the ground, and they need more support. They need more federal support. This is a humanitarian crisis, and it's the consequence of a number of longstanding uh, broken policies uh, that, um, you know, are very consequential for asylum seekers, uh, TPS holders, and DACA recipients uh, writ large. But that is a conversation for another day. Sure, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with, with you, this being a humanitarian crisis at all, but just to get some clarity on this, and, and sure, it's a conversation for another day, but are, do you think that the border is secure? I just, do, is that what you said? Yes, the border is secure. And we're in the midst of a humanitarian. <laughs> Wrong. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and, you know, you're a Democrat. You get to do that. You get to say that. It's just so, I mean, it's so absurd. I, I realize they probably don't show a lot of video on CNN or MSNBC, but we see it on Newsmax and MSN and, and, and Fox. We see the border. It's open. It's wide open. It is literally there. They've literally cut holes in the fence, in the wall. They've literally cut the razor wire. They've literally removed some of the barricades in the Rio Grande to let people in. They have then flown them around the country. That is what the Biden administration has done. She knows it. She just flat out lies, looks into the camera and lies. I guess that's what you have to do. And that's, uh, we're well, going to hear a lot of that tomorrow because the uh, inquiry, the impeachment inquiry has begun. So they'll present all the evidence against Joe Biden and then all the Democrats slash media tomorrow, tonight will say there's no evidence, there's zero evidence that the the lawyer for Biden actually said this guy, Ian Sams, this little weasel, he, he attacked the Republicans for pointing out that Joe Biden had $250,000 sent from China to his home in, in Delaware. And he said um, um, Hunter was staying with his parents during the pandemic, like lots of people. <laughs> it was 2019. There was no pandemic. They are reeling. Hunter had a home. He had a wife and kids in California. He was living in California. The money went to Delaware in 2019. There was no pandemic. Hunter wasn't living there. It was sent to Joe Biden from communist China. 
and they just sit there and gaslight and lie and say, there's no evidence, not a shred of evidence, but uh, we'll be watching, see how they do that today. All right, let me get to Shea and then we'll get to Montante. We'll make our NFL picks. I'm psyched. This is a good weekend for football and a damn good weekend for golf. The Ryder Cup. Has it begun yet? I know it begins at some weird time. Is it Friday Friday at like 1 a.m. or something? 1 a.m. I think it's, yeah, tonight, I guess, just after midnight. They're teeing it up in Italy. Not going to be watching too much uh, live Ryder Cup, maybe early in the morning, but uh, I'll watch it on replay. I'll watch it in any form it comes in. I love the Ryder Cup, and I love the NFL, and we'll get to Matante and make our picks. Excuse me. As you know, Shea Concrete has a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. This is your spring project, people. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great uh, values on designs that will fit your home. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you much better curb appeal. Make your front steps the talk of the town and do it now. Do it this spring. No reason not to. You know that removing the stairs is a pain. They're heavy. They're awkward. And where do you take them when you get rid of them? Shea will take care of all that for you. They Leave it to them. When they're done, you'll have a great-looking new entrance that will add value to your home. It's more than an upgrade. It's an investment. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey insulation experience. In a few hours, you'll get a brand-new front entrance. Learn more at SheaConcrete.com and... While you're there, you can look for a job. Shake Concrete is hiring. Right now, they have between 15 and 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people and skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. That's it. Go to shakeconcrete.com. All right, there he is. Uh, before we get to Montana, let me say our NFL picks are sponsored by MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com and use code word Jerry for huge discounts. Such as the standard my pillow, which is normally sixty nine ninety eight, is only nineteen ninety eight with code word Jerry. And may I recommend the slippers? They're awesome slippers. I got myself a pair. It's getting cold, cold in those mornings. You want your my pillow slippers? Check them out at mypillow.com and use code code word Jerry with a G. Montante. Let's get to the big question. Is Taylor Swift going to be at the Jets game? Oh That's all I need to know. What's your prediction? I'll be driving home from uh, New England during that time. If I hit, is there going to be Taylor Swift traffic? Are there going to be freaks there just to see her? If like, she, is that a thing? If she's I'm there, definitely. It, it is oh, such a, it stay is away. Such a I thing. hate her. I've, I've been watching lots of cable news, of course, and I've been online. It is such a thing. There's I such a her. crossover from Taylor Swift's world to the NFL. These two worlds are colliding. And it is the big question. I think this game. Is fascinating, by the way. I really do. I, we'll start with it, I guess, because I, I wanted to talk to you about it because you're a Jets fan. Yeah, we have, we, have, we, have, we have a format here. There's format, you know, these things mean nothing to I, you? Yeah, we're going to get to you making the picks. But All right, go ahead, Swift. Jets, I find the Jets <laughs> game fascinating because there's, there's these two worlds colliding. The Jets are a mess. They're fighting on the sidelines. They're home, but they got no quarterback. The quarterback stinks. The Chiefs have the best quarterback in the world. They got the, the, the Taylor Swift uh, element at play. Chiefs are huge favorites. Jets fans are going to get so angry. You're going to be at the game? No, no, no. no. God, no. Gonna so, to so go to that. It's going to get nasty. Um, in in if they get routed and they're ten point underdogs, 
it'll it'll be so nasty in New York. They will have to bench Zach Wilson for his own good. There'll be fights. There'll be brawls. There'll be drunks. They'll be flipping off the camera and throwing things. I am looking forward to this this uh, uh, possible disaster in New York. Yeah, the, the locker room is absolutely falling apart. Um, Robert Sala, it's like, I don't know what the blackmail that uh, the entire Wilson family is holding, holding over his head, but the locker room's not having it. He's the worst quarterback I've ever seen. I've been watching Jets football my entire life. This is a disaster. And this is, this is one of those games where the math is just mathing for me. So do you see the Jets defense who's on the verge of giving up? And I don't blame them. Do you see them holding the best offense in the NFL under 20 points? No. No. No, I do don't see, see the Jets. Do you see the Do you see the Jets getting the ten points? <laughs> no, no. You know what? No, Jets. No. Jets can't cover. Impossible. It's an impossible game for the Jets to cover. Kansas City minus nine and a half. Easy. You know what? You're right. That's a good way to look at it. The Jets would need like a punt return for a touchdown, a defensive touchdown. They'd need some fluky awesome. stuff to happen. Um, I think. Eventually, there's going. If Taylor Swift is still in the picture, we're gonna. She's gonna tear that team apart. It's gonna. They're gonna get. They're gonna lose, and it's gonna. She's gonna be Yoko Ono, but not against the Jets. The Jets aren't a real threat. And you know what? It's kind of sad, Montante, because you got a pretty good team there. You do. Yeah. You a, no, it's just it's going to the wayside. It's a, it's an embarrassment what's happened this year. It's a wasted year until Colin Kaepernick comes in and saves you guys. I mean, no. you got nothing. So we all, we all agree we're all taking the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only the only blackmail I want associated with the New York Jets is them signing Colin Kaepernick to the practice squad. Uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs minus nine and a half. One last yeah. question on the Jets because I'm getting Ugh. fascinated by this Montante. How bad is this guy Boyle? He's worse than he's not bad. He's he's not he's 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 competent. We know we know what Zach Wilson is. Tim Boyle's a decent player. Was backing up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for a little bit. We know we know what Zach Wilson is. Tim Boyle can't win you a game, but he won't lose you a game. That throw on fourth and ten by Zach Wilson made me want to harm myself. And I'm not. I don't feel that way ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm not suicidal. I wanted. To, I was looking for objects to harm myself. Fourth and ten, and you dump the ball down to a coveted tight end, two yard. No, Tim Boyle's not doing that. Put put Tim Boyle in the game. That should have been his last play. I tweeted about it. It was embarrassing. Game NFL right back quarterback out. on fourth down throws into the flat to a tight end on fourth and ten. Had zero chance of converting that. It wasn't a running back who could make a move. It was a tight end. He should have been benched right there and then. You know it's over. He doesn't Dude, have the mental ability to perform that that job. But no, I, not at all. all in on the Chiefs. We're working. We're working backwards here. So I'm going to go over last week. You're you're so enthralled by Taylor Swift. I'm having a terrible year. I had a terrible week. I went one and four last week. Jerry, you actually were the opposite. You went four and one. Craig went two and three. Embarrassed to say it right now, Jerry and I, you, we're, we're tied at five and nine on the year. Craig is the leader in the clubhouse at six and eight. Yikes. Wow. We are just wow. kicking ass. Wow. Like, Craig, you look like a middle school bully from like the 90s. Why did you cut your hair like that? Look what do you mean cut my looks. hair like that? I like this all the time. Oh, he looks like you have a buzz cut. Oh, jeez. No, no. <laughs> okay, that, that was not evident by uh, looking at you. Sorry. You shouldn't I be thought. shaming hair, Baldy. You're lucky you got f-ing hair on your face right now. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Whoops. It's not Newsmax. Whoops. Let me mark that. <laughs> he, looks that like, uh, he looks like our own John Fetterman. We have our own John Fetterman. There we go. <laughs> uh, I'll take that. Oh, my God. I'll really? All right. Well, I'm feeling good. I went four and one, and uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend. So what else we got? 
Also tonight, um, Thursday night football to start off week four. We have Detroit on the road. The line moved to minus two, but when we sent it last night, we'll keep it there, which kind of shows where I'm leaning. Detroit uh, <laughs> giving one and a half in Green Bay tonight. Yeah. Um, I'll start off Green Bay. Their defense is number 22 against the running back, number 21 against the tight end. So that means Detroit can use the two backs with Gibbs and Montgomery, who I think is going to play tonight. And they have this kid, Laporta, who is a stud rookie tight end. Uh, that being said, I really like them. Then I looked at the numbers. Detroit is 11-2 and two against the spread the last 13, and they are 10-2 and two against the spread the last 12 against Green Bay. Give me Matt Goff. We saw what he did in Arrowhead week one. Thursday night is going to repeat itself. Give me the Lions minus one and a half. Uh, I'll take the uh, I'll take the Packers at home getting points. The Packers had a big comeback. That's the only game I got wrong. They had, they yeah. came back and won, but they didn't cover. I'll, and I'll, by the way, Jerry, but people always say, "Oh, I'll just I'll just take uh, I'll just lay the two. I don't want to lay the juice, right? Money line on, on like that game might have been minus one thirty. Like, oh, they won't lose by two, right? You lost that game last week by a point. So right. that's where if you're actually betting it, you just bet them the win. That's where that comes into play. So, yeah, you you were one point away from a perfect week last week. I will take uh, Jordan Love and the Packers at home getting point and a half. I'm I'm going with the Lions as well. They're on a, they're on a roll. I can't can't look away. And their 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 coach looks like he could beat the Packers by himself. So, I'm going to go with the Lions. I wouldn't rule that out. Right. What else, what's next, next? next game, next game, we're going to go into uh, Houston. And this is one of the games you probably saw or second that I chose, but too bad. <laughs> um, Pittsburgh on I the was. road in Houston. Pittsburgh is laying two and a half. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense, they're number 28 against the wide receiver. Why do I mention that? Uh, rookie quarterback Stroud for Houston is they're throwing the ball all over the place. So this Pittsburgh's defense, it, it's vulnerable. Um, and I trust that D'Amico Ryans, the, the rookie head coach there for Houston, I think he's going to win the turnover battle. I think his defense can get after picking a little bit. They win the turnover battle. They score some points. Uh, I take Houston at home getting two and a half. I do as well. They blew out the Jags, Ironheads Jags, uh, last week, and they're at home, and I think they're they're hitting their stride. They have good wideouts. Stroud has some good yeah. guys to throw to, good weapons. Okay. I'll take uh, the uh, – Whatever they're called, Texans getting two and a half. I'm I'm gonna actually go with the Steelers on this one. Good. Um, normally you'd say good, but I don't want to hear it. Bottom in the basement, you guys over there. I'm at the top for now, and this is gonna determine if I stay there or not. Is this game? I always get such cogent analysis from Ironhead, don't we? It just, yeah, you want me? Uh, want me to start being like, oh, you know, uh, I think it's gonna be like, give me some trends. No, I don't have trends. the trends. Montante reads them at the beginning, and then no, I go. The, the, the trends here, if you want the trends, are not not too much between these two teams historically, because you know Houston's kind of new uh, on the spread against you know this year. Houston is one and two. Pittsburgh's two and one. I think that they're both five hundred against the spread after this game. Houston. All right, now we got what New England at. We're gonna go. Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to your your sweet little uh, Patriots on the road in Dallas, quote unquote America's team. Still, I don't know if that still holds true. Uh, Dallas is laying a full touchdown. Dallas is coming off probably the most embarrassing game um, for Ever. any team this year. Ever. Losing outright to uh, hairless Josh Dobbs and the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals. So that's a pretty, pretty big number, uh, for being honest. And there's two quarterbacks that I think nationally are trending opposite directions. Dak is going down. Mac is kind of ticking up. Uh, he's grabbing people's balls, so he's got to cut that out. Um <laughs> But overreaction. That was the biggest overreaction in football. Oh, stop. You can't do that. Um, he's a you know, chippy player. He is a little dirty. He is I will little say little he's a friggin' weasel. Like. He's a weasel. 
Go ahead. Let's get back to it. I, 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 so I'm we're going to go uh, trends here. Trends. New England are two and eight uh, against the spread the last 10. Dallas good. is seven and three against the spread the last 10 home games. I'll lay the number. It's an ugly number, but I'll lay the minus seven for Dallas and the home team. I have a bad feeling about the Patriots this week. I mean, they, they were one tip ball in the end zone. Randall Cobb catches that. I that thought he was getting that. They are 0-3 and, and uh, losing to the Jets. They struggled. There's, there's not been one moment where you're really impressed with the Patriots this year uh, so far. It's been ugly, and I think it continues to be ugly. On uh, Are they honoring Zeke, uh, Zeke Elliott in Dallas? They're going to like have a halftime ceremony? <laughs> probably. No, I, I, no, no, no shot. But I, you know what? I would probably pick the Patriots if the Cowboys had beaten Arizona, but it's one of those games where Arizona beat them, embarrassed them. They are a little more desperate than normal, so I'm going to go with uh, uh, the Cowboys. Given seven, I'm with you, Montante. I'm going to take the seven with the Patriots. Ezekiel Elliott is going to have 100 yards and two touchdowns in this game. You watch. 100 yards. I don't, right think, he, I don't, think, he, I don't think he can physically do that. He's, he can. He's and, and it's going to happen. And he's going to jump in that Salvation Army tin just to throw it up everyone's <laughs> ass. <laughs> I do I do like I do like uh, when they do that. So the last game, the Jerry game of the week, I think we're seeing a trend here. Uh, he just can pick every Miami game. Well, how do you, so, how do you <laughs> not pick this? As, how do you not pick this as a featured game? It's the best game of the because, year. Because – because we're trying to – I'm trying to win money here. This game, I, I went back and forth about six times after I got the notification. That's what we're going to do this morning. Miami on the road in Buffalo. Buffalo laying three. They say in the NFL, home field is worth three points. So they're saying if this you know, if it's played anywhere, these teams are even. Now, I was going to go Buffalo because how do you not take Miami after they're scoring 1,000 points like, uh, like they're you know, D1 football? This is insane what's going on with this team. How do you not? So I was going to take Buffalo, but then I looked at the, then I looked at it. So they're the hotter team. Then I looked at the trend. Miami is six and zero against the spread. The last six Buffalo is two and seven against the spread. The last seven against AFC East teams. I'll take the cheese. I'll take the hottest team on planet earth. I'll take the three points in Miami. So it's three points. I'm with you. Miami last week, 70 points, 726 yards. The first team ever with 350 yards on the ground and in the air. They got something going, man. They got, they have figured something out. Uh, this is the, it feels like the winner of this is going to the Super Bowl. You know, the best winner of this is the best team in the AFC with the Bengals struggling mightily. <laughs> I, I don't know how you can't pick Miami to just keep it going. Yeah. And, and they're getting, they're getting points. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with the Finns. Yeah, you gotta. You have to take them until they they have the wheels fall off, which could be this week. They could, you know, Buffalo is known for throwing dildos on the field. Could hit uh, two in the head, put them out for a few weeks. You never know. But I'm gonna go. That's with good analysis. It's actually, the best analysis you ever given. Yeah, I'm going with Miami. Tyreek Hill said this week he wants to go into porn when he retires. I saw that. One star. Yeah. Well, he's an amateur, you know, female fighter. So at least he's, you know, going a different direction. I was going to say he'll get into that. Or those kids. He beats kids, right? No, he beat his wife too. I thought, or his girlfriend. Oh, good, good, solid guy. Yeah. That's a guy that if he couldn't run really fast, would be either in prison or dead. I'll say it. I don't care. But he's a low life. He's good at football. Spectacular play. Changes the game, and Tua is lucky to have him. Is that it? We're all in on Miami? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, we're all in, which makes me really think that I know. Buffalo just, you know, kind of puts out the fire, which is Miami. But, hey, listen, we'll, we'll see. I, that, that team is – this is that's the most fun team to watch in the NFL over the last, what, six, seven years? Everyone said it'd be Kansas City, but Miami, you can't you can't look away. You come back, they score a touchdown. You know, how they do it? Tyreek, 98. Yeah, they're unbelievable. We got, we got some great quarterbacks in the NFL right now, great offenses, and uh, – 
Zach Wilson, Tua, Mahomes. Not your Jets, but Miami, Kansas City, Buffalo, uh, Cincinnati. Um, All right, before we let you go, Montante, are you betting on the Ryder Cup? Do you bet? Uh, I will. I will. What I'll do is I'll see whoever is the underdog going into last day and bet them. I don't know much about golf. I just want a little. I just want a little juice on it. I, I I I go back and forth on this. The Ryder Cup's amazing. The last thirty years is like three points separate the two two sides. It's been close. It's been unpredictable. I'm going to go with the home team. This this uh, this course looks just like the crowd's going to be a factor. They have a massive stadium built uh, around the first tee, and they, these people are going to be doing that that ole ole thing all day. And and yeah. on top of that. Europe, Europe is good. They got good, both teams yeah. are good. Europe I'm taking Victor Hovland just got a, a hole in one on a par four in the practice round. Mm. So I think crazy. There's some good vibes around Europe. So I'm not going to predict yeah. Europe. If I were betting, I would bet on Europe. My favorite because this is in Italy, right? They're playing in Italy. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, they have an offshore books. So you can take plus eighteen hundred. I think is good value. You can get a boat of African migrants to wash up and uh, <laughs> invade Italy live. So I think that's really good value. The way things are going. So that's plus eighteen hundred. The, the African migrants. Yeah. The whole country is going to be watching golf, and they're going to sneak in. Plus, <laughs> yeah. Ethiopians running across the yeah, running across the green. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to watch. All right, Montante. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See. You. All right, and that will do it for us today and this week. We are uh, taking tomorrow off to watch golf. Actually, no, I got things to do. I got business to tend to. uh, So this will be it for this week. Hopefully they'll put this show up on Rumble and uh, we'll do what we'll get to the comments, the questions next week. We'll do more of those than than usual. I should have done them today. What are people commenting about Fetterman's mustache? (laughs) <laughs> don't read that don't read that one <laughs> ayana's uh ayana's uh, haircut but uh anyway uh wild day wild week crazy week uh, our best we again we are wishing the best for tim wakefield one of the good guys yep. out there very very sad news hoping hoping for the best uh but uh, we'll leave it there ironhead thank you thanks to everyone for listening i'm jerry callahan this is the callahan show and we'll do it again monday morning God save the queen, man. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen.